uh, last, um, well, yesterday for myself and our family as we had the funeral for uh, Christopher Sean Wells. And it was just kind of interesting with the background of Chris. His uh, half-brother, older brother, um, was named Sean, and his mom wanted to uh, have that family connection, though they were separated by miles and space, and it was just kind of a unique connection. But uh, it was very humbling, awkward, interesting, good just to be there with family. Uh, and they were very open, and Chris passed away of a drug overdose, and it was just very uh, sad. He had been clean for the past three and a half years, but over the last six months to a year or so, he had um, gotten wrapped up again with that, that addiction. But uh, I knew his son was going to be there, but I didn't get a chance to meet him until after the funeral, but Jordan Sean Wells, they kept that family name apart. Nine years old, adorable kid, full of life, and you could tell, and I think it's a good thing, he didn't really comprehend everything that was taking place, but he was just smiling and playing hide-and-seek with his cousins and just enjoying life, and it just reminded me or us that there's always um, opportunity for us to live Jesus in front of, and though it was very difficult, we could still gather together and pray and lift up Jordan and just think that God has a plan for his life and we are not alone. And um, I know uh, some of you are going through difficult things, whether it's yourself or family. Uh, I, got, I got to speak with Heather Eros uh, this past week and she has two treatments remaining. And in a lot of ways for us that haven't had to endure it, this year long of chemotherapy, it's gone fast. But for her, those that are enduring treatment, it's not fast. It's just day by day. And we just want to lift up uh, that family as well. And uh, Melissa Semperbon, how many of you knew it was Melissa, not Melissa Semperbon? I knew that and I was reminded, but it's Melissa and I was corrected the other day. So, but she's recovering and we just want to pray for the Semperbons as well. And um, there's just many requests that we have, but it's so good that God is faithful. Um, won't you stand as you're able as we as we pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you're with us, that your presence is true and it's strong and you embrace us. And Father, we just pray for those that seem to be without hope, for those that are questioning why and asking for meaning, that you would come and give comfort, that you would reveal that your son loves us, that you care for everything that we're going through, and we are not alone, but we are lifted up by your embrace. Father, for those that have heartbreak and heartache, for those that are trying to find the energy, the strength to take the next steps, we just ask that you would be their sustenance, that you would be everything that we desire to believe that you said you already are according to your word. So God, here we are, your people. Use us. May we just declare you and show you and live you. So, Father, we thank you that you love us. And we do pray for those that are unable to make it in person today that want to be here. May they just sense your closeness, but know that they are part of your family, the body of Christ. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, we do thank you for your continued giving of tithes and offerings, whether it's online, in person, or whether it's mailing checks to the chapel campus. 
Still, uh, I am amazed, maybe I shouldn't be, at how blessed we are. I hear so many local churches are just struggling financially, and we have been um, encouraged and blessed by people's faithfulness and obedience and giving, and just saying thank you so much um, for, for those things. Uh, last week, we used uh, the topic or the verse Revelation, where it says, if you are hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth because you are lukewarm. And what does that mean to be lukewarm? It means you are not useful. How can we be useful as Christians? Well, in Luke 14, 34 and 35, it says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? The use of salt has many uses to preserve, to add flavor, to heal, Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone who has with ears to hear should listen and understand. I understand that God wants us to be salty. God wants us to be useful. God wants us not to be lukewarm, but to be obedient to what he calls us to. And Joy and Tennyson Doan, uh, I've grown to love them. I've known them for several years. Joy sent me this. And Jesus taught to be the salt of the earth, but some of you are extra salty. And I guess that's okay, but uh, sometimes we look at people and, well, yes, be the good salt. Don't just be salty, I guess. As we look today, I just wanted to continue in Luke as we uh, proceed towards Easter. Um, the 40 days are winding down from Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, to celebrating Jesus. And we are excited that we're going to have live music for Easter. And I've requested a couple of hymns for that live music or songs that we can really worship and sing with and be brought uh together. There's something about music. Music is not worship. We know that singing does not automatically equate to worship, but it can lead to foster something that allows us to worship. And so as we look towards Easter, we're going to be continuing through Luke and Luke 15, 1 and 2. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made me pause, and as I was speaking this morning at the 6.30, and as I was just thinking about this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners, why do tax collectors get their own category? Why do they kind of get pointed out? Why isn't it just sinners? But it's always sinners and tax collectors. And maybe you feel that way sometimes in your life, that it's not just like us, but it's us, oh yeah, and the black sheep of the family. Or we're family, but then, oh, you're the, you're the one that you are part of the family, and we feel like we're pointed out. Well, God brings it all together, but it is interesting how tax collectors and other notorious sinners, but maybe perhaps... Not said of anyone here, but maybe said of some that call themselves Christians. We all say, well, God loves everybody, even the, and don't say it out loud, but we fill in the blank with that sinful person that we think is so evil. Well, God forgives every sin, even, and we have to point out whatever sin we despise or we think is so bad. Well, I think God just wants to say God forgives sin. Now, there are greater consequences for certain sin, but sin is sin. So we don't have to say tax collectors and other notorious sinners or God forgives sin, even your sin. No, God just forgives sin. But tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. 
So I was going to try to make a joke. I didn't know how to fit it in. But sometimes pastors, you just push things in because you think it would kind of be funny or make do. So I don't know if it's funny or not, but maybe you are. We are the tax collectors and other notorious sinners that want to meet together to hear what Jesus has for us today. But oftentimes at a local church, it's not the sinners that show up. It's not those that are struggling with addiction. It's not those that are in the middle of an affair. It's not those that are just so uh, convicted by the presence of God that they show up to hear the voice of God. And why not? This should be the place where people come, whether Christians or non-Christians, they come to hear the hope and freedom and love that Jesus has for them, that they would be so excited to come. <clears throat> I spoke with uh, someone recently, and they said that they enjoyed the online service, and they're relatively close proximity. And I was like, we'd love to have you in person as well, if that ever works out for you. And they said, well, I had a bad experience with a local church once. And that could be the story of us here and many people, bad experience with a local church. And I just asked them to share. And she shared that I went to a local church with my two kids. And then uh, people found out that I was divorced. And it seemed to me like they kind of saw me as that single mom. They were happy I was coming, but until I got my life straightened out, I could just kind of sit in the corner. They didn't want me to get too involved. I could just uh, show up, but, you know, I was still seen as the single mom with two kids who is divorced and the rest of the sinners. And she's like, so I, I don't know. And so I apologize. She had that experience. And she went on to say, nobody ever asked. Nobody knew why I was divorced. They didn't know that my husband cheated on me. And that's why I got divorced. And she just started to unload all of this on me. And it's sometimes as a pastor, you're like, you want to listen, but you just want to share compassion. But sometimes people just need to share all of their background. And so she was just sharing. And wouldn't it be better if the church, we all looked and we're like, Hey, you're a sinner too. I'm glad you came to hear about Jesus. But tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. What if we were a church where we invited sinners to be a part? What if we welcomed sinners to come and learn about Jesus? But this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. He would even eat and share a meal and listen to what they had to say. It wasn't just Jesus talking, but he would actually listen of their background. I actually like how the New, uh, New International Version says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them, mutters. Uh, my dad often, my poor dad, I'm glad he's not here right now, but we all say he sputters. Like, I don't know, like, he's a happy guy. He loves people, but if there's something wrong, he sputters. Like, oh, I don't know why they do it that way. Or if it was me, I'd do it a different way. Or especially if it's, oh, why don't they do this with their vehicle or this with their lawn? Or if it was my wood, I would do this or this or this. It's like, but dad, it's not. So why are you sputtering? Why are you muttering? Why do you care? Because it's not yours. It's, you can... But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, they sputtered. They're like, why does he do this? Jesus is going to be influenced. And I understand that we have to be careful that we are influenced by outside forces. But 
we can also set an example. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This word welcomes in the uh, Greek, the Old Testament, Hebrew, New Testament, Aramaic, and Greek welcomes. It means to receive welcome except to wait for, to anticipate. Welcomes. We can accept people without approving of their behavior. Now, we've always said it a different way. In every generation or a few years, we want to sound cool. Like it used to be if something was good, you said it was good. Then if something was good, we said it was, oh, that's bad. And then it's bad meant good. Then we meant, oh, that's sick. And sick meant bad, which meant good. And then the new generation said, no, we need to say something that's ill. Ill is different than sick, which is bad, but it all means good. We all want to say something different. So we used to say, well, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. And maybe this is just semantics, but we can accept people without approving of their behavior. We can accept people into this place. You are welcome to come into this church building, this church facility. You are welcome to be here. We want to embrace you. We want to encourage you, whether you're hungover or whether you're strung out, whether you're involved in a sin or you're just tempted by a sin, whether you're living for God or you're just questioning if God exists, you are welcome here. We accept you because we are simply beggars sharing bread with other beggars. We anticipate we wait for you to come. Do we wait for non-Christians to join us that they might know of the hope of Jesus? But uh, what about this? This is a seeming contradiction. There has to be something else. This is a warning at best. Are you saying that we need to hang out with non-Christians? Well, let's look at Scripture. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, this is church conflict. This is what happens when the church people disagree, and, well, it does happen. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So if another believer sins against you, go publicly on social media and start gossiping and questioning their character and letting everybody know that they harmed you and they did something wrong. No. <laughs> but that's an easy temptation because confrontation is hard. Face-to-face -face is difficult, but you go privately and point out the offense. And you can say with all humility, let me be honest, it might be my misunderstanding. I thought what happened, it went like this. I want to listen. There's an expression that there's two parts, uh, two sides to every story, and then there's the truth. There's also the expression of once, per once a wise person said, nothing. And I like that one. And I'm trying to learn. A wise person once said nothing. But if if you feel like somebody has sinned against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses and said, you're right, I was in a bad place, or I didn't realize you received it that way, it was taken that way, but I humbly confess that, then you have restored, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two other witnesses with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. You aren't ganging up on the person. You aren't building your case, but you are saying, hey, I'm accountable to you because when I present this offense, I want you to know that my heart's right, that I'm not having a hidden agenda, that I'm saying it to them just like I told you I said it to them. And so you need to come and keep me accountable so we can get over this offense because... If you're offended in church by sin, it is wrong just to grin and bear it. 
Well, God forgave them, so I guess I have to too. Because Satan will use that bitterness, that seed, to become a toehold, that gets a foothold, or can become a stronghold to keep you from all that God has for you and for the local church. So we can say, not that I have anything against Greg. I'm just looking at Greg now. He's like, Greg, like that shaved head? I don't know. Like, oh, well, God doesn't care if he has a shaved head, but I do, so I should just keep it in. If you have, like, and you might think it's so basic, but Satan wants to use whatever he can to draw distance, to fragment, to break away. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church, to the elders, to the pastor. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat the person as a pagan, and again, or a corrupt tax collector. They're pointed out again. And before, let me say, pay your taxes. It's that time of year. So I will say biblically, Matthew twenty two twenty one 21 says, uh, Caesar's face is on the coin. So give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. So I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. So right away, uh, pay your taxes. But going back to this verse here, treat the person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. How do we treat people that are not Christians? Do we shun them? Do we turn our back on them? Do we say, oh, until you get your life straightened out? Or do we say, man, I'm just going to love you. I'm going to show empathy. I'm going to show up. I'm going to heap, what's the verse say? Burning coals on your head. Now, not literally, but it's like, wait, you're my enemy and you're being so kind to me. What's your ulterior motive? And we say, only that you would know the love of Jesus that causes repentance and brings salvation to your life. So, with these notorious sinners and tax collectors, treat them with love and dignity. It's not a contradiction to what Jesus says to stay away from those influences. If Jesus went into a bar, no, it's not the beginning of a joke. But if Jesus went into a bar, he would not just be there to hang out. He would be there to show his love to people that were there, whether people that are broken, whether people that are celebrating. If Jesus went to a bar, he went with a great purpose. Sometimes we want to make excuses to do what we want to do. But if we want to be like Jesus, we show Jesus, we share Jesus wherever we are. So Jesus told them this story, the religious leaders that were mad that sinners were hanging out with him. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? This verse, Luke 15, is almost too familiar for me or a lot of Christians, because we know the story. We know the lost coin. We know the prodigal son. We know the lost sheep. So I'm going to make you angry in a moment. Hopefully not, but possibly. When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Hold your tongue. Don't elbow anybody. I don't know if you can see. It's a picture of 99 sheep, and they all have a sign that says, all sheep matter. But then you see the shepherd going over where the sheep is over the cliff. And because he's just so consumed with hanging on, he doesn't have, do they have paws or what does sheep have? Whatever, hooves to hold the sign. He's so desperate just to hold on. He's not holding a sign. He's just desperate to hang on. I'm not making a political statement. I'm saying that church, we need to be about those that are lost. 
we need to be about those that are desperately trying to hold on. Because if we really have this hope, if we really have this Savior, if everything that we say in church according to the Bible is true and accurate, then we can reach out to people that would never enter the doors of the church. And they don't have to enter the doors of the church, but they can open their heart to Jesus and have the forgiveness of sins and say, I am broken, I am lost. And if for a moment there is a Savior that can save me, I want his salvation. I want to remove this gunk, this sin, this luring of myself. I want to give that to God so that I might have freedom. So at this funeral yesterday, there were friends of Chris that um, participated in a lot of things that caused Chris to die. And some of those looked as though they had participated before they attended the funeral. And I don't, I'm not that, I'm emotional. I'm not that spiritual. But there was something that happened where you just looked out and you saw these people in a church building that needed Jesus. They didn't just need to show up in a church building. They needed Jesus. And it's not just me. It's not just us. It's Christians saying, where can we show people the love of Jesus that we will leave the safety to be used of God to accept people, though their behavior we might not approve of, we don't want to participate in, but man, how can we reach out to those that are suffering from depression, from addiction, that are bound by sin, that are so wrapped up in themselves? How can God use us? Well, God wants to use us as we're hidden with him in Christ. When he arrives, the shepherd, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. It is not to be hidden. The prodigal son came home, but we don't want to rejoice because what if he relapses? We found the sheep and we're so excited, but let's not get too excited because, you know, what if they make another mistake? What if he runs off again? In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. They rejoice. Perhaps, I'm not a psychologist, perhaps if we drew more encouragement from the people that returned, then that would keep them by the power of the Holy Spirit and who God is. But that encouragement, that celebration of them, that saying that we're just beggars sharing bread with other beggars, we want to be connected, that would be better than saying, hey, I'm glad you're home, but you know, in six months, they're going to do it again. Or, you know, that's a great story, but you know the family Come on now, let's be honest, let's be real. Their great-grandfather, he did the same thing. It's part of their family DNA. What if we didn't judge and look at all the things that, well, Jeff, common sense. I know it's not so common, but it's just so real. It's just so evident right now. Look, like you can't tell me you believe that's going to ever change. 
Well, that's why we have Jesus. That's why we have a savior. That's why we have a miracle worker. That's why we have a a God that we believe in that's above every other God. That's why we celebrate Christianity, not because it's one other religion that gets us up on Sunday mornings to drive through mud so we can be a part of a small group. It's because Jesus cares about everything we go through because we've been saved from such sin. We can give that grace and that love and that compassion to others. That they might know. Uh, 6.30, I, um, you can't play music and have it streamed, so I um, read the lyrics. And uh, the lyrics are an old, maybe familiar hymn to some of us, but I long for the day when we get to see Jesus. But not just us, and not just their family members and friends that were Christians that died before us, but just think, maybe, what if I believe God would have you share your witness, his story with somebody this year, maybe even this week, today, that they will be celebrating in heaven because you boldly obeyed Jesus to share the truth of him. And then when we get to heaven, we are celebrating with our Savior, we're celebrating with our family, but we're celebrating with those that God opened the doors and prepared the way that we could just share the truth of Him, and He saved and He redeemed. Maybe you just want to sit and listen to these words, maybe you want to sing along, but um, oh, what a day that will be when we see Jesus. Father, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.